Good evening. Should I just stay down here? <laughs> I feel kind of weird up here on the stage with uh, uh, just a, a few people. It's a little weird, but uh, tonight uh, we're going to be in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 6. Daniel chapter 6. Y'all saw my little boy. He wanted me, didn't he? he was, I started walking towards him. He thought I was coming to get him there, so... Uh, I might just have to put him on my hip and preach with him and break him in right. I guess everybody ate good today, didn't they? That was some good food, wasn't it? I appreciate that. And uh, I guess some people are still asleep, maybe in their food coma too. So, uh, <laughs> But uh, I, I was, uh, several people, I think Cecil told me he took a good nap today, so I envy him. Daniel chapter number 6, verse number 1. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. Very familiar uh, story, but uh, we're going to read the first 11 verses. So the Bible says, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except... We find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said, Thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man, for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius, sign the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Verse 11, it says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. God, we thank you for the, the good day that you've given us. God, I just pray that you would touch each one that's here. God, I just pray that you would... Bless this church, God, everything that we do. God, I pray that, that it would be in the center of your will. God, not our will, but yours be done. God, I just pray that you would use me tonight. God, you, you know my heart, Lord. You, you know me. And God, I just want to be used by you tonight. God, I don't want to... There's no show here. There's, there's nothing to be seen, God, other than your word. Lord, I just pray that you would open our hearts, Lord, open our eyes and, and open our ears and minds, God, to receive your word so that we could leave here better than when we came. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
I've been studying this for a while, but, but everybody knows the story of Daniel, right? What's the most famous story of Daniel? The lion's den, right? I could probably even ask my little girl about the lion's den, and she could give me good details about it. In fact, I'm pretty sure that when I was in, when I was in card class, does anybody in here remember flannel graphs? Did you all have those here, flannel graphs? Three of you know. You know what a flannel graph is, Andrew? Andrews, he's of that new generation. But when I was little... We had flannel graphs, and now they've got TVs, and they got, you know, all these nice things in the classrooms. But we had a piece of flannel with a bunch of little men that you stuck on it, and the teacher would tell the story. And, and at least once every third Sunday, she would tell us the story of Daniel and the Lions dinner. At least that's what it seemed like when I was growing up. And I grew very familiar with that scripture. And, and we all know, and the focus of that story of Daniel and the lion's den is obviously every kid, you know, they're interested in lions. You've got to do something. If you want to get a little kid's attention like Shaylee or, or one of the little kids, you've got to tell them about lions and bears and, you know, kind of get it to kid level. And we always talked about how that the lions did not eat Daniel, and there's a good spiritual application there. But we didn't really focus all that much on why Daniel actually ended up in the lion's den. We just basically knew that the king was mad at him and, and that they threw him into the lion's den. And so what I gave you in, in Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 11, is that Daniel was, was placed over these people. Now I want you to understand what kind of situation Daniel was in here. Daniel is not in a good situation. Now, and we know that the lion's den is obviously not that great of a story and the fiery furnace and all that, but Daniel is in a situation that he did not ask to be placed in. See, what happened when Daniel was just a young boy, probably 10 or 11 years old, that the, the, the Babylonians came and they actually conquered the kingdom of Israel. Now, why did that happen? It was because of the sin that was going on. And, and that's another message in itself, and I won't get into that. But, but basically, the children of Israel had sinned. They had disobeyed God. And so God told them through the prophet Isaiah that they would be conquered by the Babylonians. And sure enough, God, God's word came true, and they were conquered. And so Daniel was taken out. Now the thing about it is, is not only did the king of Babylon want to take over all the children of Israel, but he also wanted to bestow in these young men uh, the Babylonian lifestyle. And he wanted to convert these young Israeli boys into Babylonians. He wanted to corrupt their mind. Now I want you to understand that what he was doing is he was taking them and he was indoctrinating them. He would take the king of Babylon, would take these children aside, and he would set them aside just like he did Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he would set them aside and he would just indoctrinate them. He would brainwash them. He would feed them all this Babylonian information. But yet at the end of the day, we know that Daniel stayed true to God. Now that's very important right there. There's a lesson in that. We can take just a time out for just a moment and say that no matter what's going on around you, no matter what the world says, no matter what they're trying to push and all this wickedness, you must stay true to God. Because God will reward faithfulness. God will reward you if you stay faithful to Him. And we see that in this story. We see that before Daniel even gets to the lion's den that he was well favored by God. Now I want you to imagine if you went in to conquer a country and you, you went and you took over, I would assume that I would not put somebody that was from that country second in my command. Doesn't that sound like a bad idea? If you were, if you were a military giant and you were a smart guy and you said, well, I'm, I'm going to take over this country and then I'm going to set somebody over my, my stuff, I would not choose one of my captives. But the Bible said that Daniel was faithful and that the king found favor in him. 
And, he, and the king sent him over all of his affairs and all of his things, and God blessed Daniel and all that he did. Now sometimes what we see, and, and we've seen in the world, but we especially see in this, this chapter, is that the, the men that were not chosen got jealous. And, and they, were, they, they were ill at Daniel, and, and I guess that they, uh, they, were just, they were just bitter at him. I guess that's a good word you could use right there. And so they came up with a plan, and all these evil, corrupt men that didn't get chosen came up with this idea, and they brought it before the king. And so they said in verse number 8, that, or verse 7, I'm sorry, that the king, they asked the king to sign a decree that nobody called on anybody's God except for the king. Now that's dangerous right there. That's dangerous in itself that these men got together and they made a law and they said, you know what, we're just going to do away with God. Any God but you, king, if anybody cries out to anybody else, then they will be thrown into the den of lions. And they did this specifically with Daniel in mind because I believe deep down in their heart, they knew what Daniel would do. There was no question when these men made this law that Daniel would do anything else but continue to pray to the God of the Bible. I believe that with all my heart. I don't believe that their intention when they made that law was that, well, maybe Daniel will stop praying to God. They knew in the back of their minds, they said, you know, Daniel is going to keep praying to God. And sure enough, in verse number 10, the Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. And gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. And then these men, they, they said that they assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Now the phrase there that I want to pull out is that they found Daniel praying. If there's anything in the Bible that I want to draw out about Daniel or anything about any man that did anything for God is number one, that there's no power with God unless there's prayer before it. you agree with that statement? No power unless there's prayer. Anything that we do as a church, anything that you do as an individual, anything we do for the kingdom of God as a whole must be bathed in prayer. And Daniel knew that. Daniel was aware of that. And this wasn't the first time that Daniel prayed. And, and so many times, we'll wait till after something happens and then we'll start praying. But Daniel, it said that he did it before. That, that no matter what was going on in the kingdom, that he prayed. And just very quickly, it seems so elementary. It seems almost like a cliche that, that a preacher just has to stand up and remind the church, Hey, we've got to pray. But so often we forget, so often we neglect it, so often we push it off to the side and, and say, well, hey, you know, God knows my heart and, and, and He knows that I'm concerned about these things. But I want to tell you tonight that God wants you to come to Him. God absolutely wants you to bring your petitions. He wants you to bring your supplications and your request to Him. God absolutely knows what's going on in my life right now. God knows every single need that I have. God knows things about me. God knows the needs that I have that I don't know that I have. But when a need arises in my life or, or when something happens in my life, 
or when I'm about to go into something, I need to go into that on my knees. Now the first thing that we want to notice, number one, I want to ask you the question, is why do we pray? It's a simple question, but why? What was so important about prayer? The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 8, it says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Again, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. The Apostle Paul said through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the, the, the will of God is that you pray. That you and I have, have a wonderful means of communication, a wonderful avenue that we can approach the throne room of heaven and communicate with the creator of the universe. And oftentimes we neglect that if we're not careful. I like communication. Uh, you want to you break down a church real quick, you, pull, you just don't communicate with each other. I believe that, that communication is one of the most important things that a church can do. But, but closer than that, it's, it's a, a very important thing that spouses do. I use my wife as an example a lot, and she, she loves that. Did you know that? My wife loves it when I use her in a sermon, and we're not riding together tonight, so it's okay. But, but me and my wife, we, we have to talk to each other. Now, I know that there's things that you and your wife have to discuss but there's just something different about, about actually having communication and having an open line of communication with your spouse. Now, I guess I could talk about marriages for a little while, but I'll just say this, that, that when I do my best communicating with my wife is right before bedtime. It's right, right when the kids are, are just, are, they're in bed, hopefully. Now, my kids, they like to go to bed early, and, and Lacey has to wrestle Barrett down. But once we get them down, then that's when we can really talk. And if we're not careful sometimes, what we'll do is we'll pray to God, and, and we'll go before Him, but it'll be when there's all these distractions going on around us. It is very important. You notice that Daniel... When he went to pray, that he went into his, his chamber. That means he went into his bedroom. He went off to the side and it said he opened his windows. And where he would open his windows, he opened them towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day. Now ask yourself this question, a real serious question. Don't answer it out loud, but do you pray three times a day? Do you pray ten times a day? Do you pray seven times a day? Or do you just pray before meals? Do you just pray before bed? Daniel said that he prayed always three times a day. He probably prayed more than that. First Thessalonians said that we are to pray without ceasing. Not only why do we pray, but the next question I'll ask you is where do we pray? See, that's an important question. As I said, we have to have that open communication with God. We have to have that dialogue that never really ceases, that, that, that's always open, that we can go to God anytime, that we don't have to, to do anything other than just start speaking to God. See, I don't have to go to my wife and introduce myself and, and, and tell her what's going on. I can just walk up to my wife at any time and just tell her what's going on. Can you do that with your spouse, Cecil? I'm always picking on Cecil. He is sitting right there, and he's just got the biggest smile on his face. He said, no. My goodness. What was it last week that the, the problem was? that the, They need marital, marital counseling. I'm just going to go on record and say that. I hope this is not being recorded. <laughs> Cecil and Rhonda, they're, they're, my, they're my people. But 
I can go to my wife at any time, and I can just say, hey, Lacey, this is what's going on, and Lacey will talk to me. But I have to do that in a particular place. Daniel did it in his bedchamber. But the book of Matthew says this, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6, He says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He said that not only do you need to go in your closet, He said, but when you get there, shut the door. Now, I don't have a particular prayer closet at my house, but I will tell you this, when it's time to pray, that I go somewhere and I shut the door and I lock it behind me. And I don't do that to try to be mean. I don't do that to try to exclude my family. But when I really need to get down to business, as, as Daniel did here, and which is every day, I have to lock the door. I have to lock out the distractions. And I have to, to, to get away from what's going on because there's so many things that's just biting for my attention. And, and the good things, like my, my kids, my wife, and, and great things. But at some point, you have to just put everything on hold and say, All right, I've got to talk to God. And Daniel knew that, that in spite of what the king said, in spite of the law and all that, Daniel was found praying. Now, it's, it's one thing to know that we need to pray. It's another thing to know where we need to pray. But then how do you pray? The disciples asked Jesus in Luke 11, 1, they asked probably, or, or made the greatest statement in the Bible, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. That, that's a wonderful statement, isn't it? I would have loved to have been the one that was able to walk up to Jesus Christ himself and say, Lord, will you teach me how to pray? And then Jesus bestowed upon them the Lord's prayer, and, and we have that, but I won't go over that today. But the, what really got this sermon in my mind is, is the Lord kept laying this one verse upon my heart. This one verse, and here it is, James chapter 5, verse number 16, says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How do we pray? Well, there's two elements to prayer, and the first element is this, that the prayer must be effectual and fervent. Now those words in the Greek, uh, I'm not going to give you the Greek word because I can't pronounce it, just to be honest with you, but, but the Greek word there, effectual and fervent, are not separated in the Greek. They're one word, and that word simply means to pray with power and to pray with energy. To pray with power and to pray with energy. Now sometimes when I pray, I'll just be honest with you, I don't feel like that I pray with a lot of power sometimes. You ever feel like that? Have you ever felt like you, you get down to pray and, and, and you set aside time to pray and, and you're, not just, you're not getting anywhere? See the condition, the, the prayer has to be fervent and effectual, but you notice in the prayer that it also says this, or in the verse it says this, the effectual fervent prayer of what? A righteous man see the prayer has conditions but the person praying also has conditions too and I believe that Daniel met those conditions and I believe that that Moses and Elijah and all those great men of God that, that would pray these wonderful powerful prayers and get in touch with God they all, all had this one thing in common in order to pray with power you have to be righteous you have to be living right you have to have all the sin out of your life 
If, you're, if your prayer is not as powerful as it should be, you might want to take a moment, just take a time out, step back and say, God, examine me. Do I have any unrepentant sin in my life? We don't like to admit that we have sin, but sometimes we sin. I'm not saying that we're, we're doing anything, you know, we're not stealing and killing and, and all this, but do we have bitterness in our heart? Do we have deceit in our heart? Have we potentially lied to somebody? We'll have those sins in our life. And if we have those things, then we can't pray. John Bunyan, he's, he was a, a great Christian of, of yesteryear, he said this, he said that, that prayer will keep you from sin, but that sin will also keep you from prayer. We pray, uh, God help us not to sin, God help me to be righteous, but sometimes that sin does uh, just the opposite of that. It takes us away from where we can effectively and fervently pray to God. I believe if there's ever a time that we need to get in touch with heaven, it's today, don't you? I absolutely believe that. I, I believe that, that, that Jesus is coming back soon. I believe that time is really drawing short. Jesus said in John chapter 4 that the fields are white and ready for harvest. Jesus didn't say that they will be white one of these days. Jesus said the fields are white and ready for harvest. He said pray. Jesus made that statement. And then he said pray that the Lord send laborers for the harvest. And here we are. We're all laborers in the kingdom of God. And he said go out and, and, and bring in the harvest. Well, we don't need to do any of that unless it's saturated in prayer. See, if we do anything on our own, if I try to, to preach in my own power, if I try to go out and, and tell the world about Jesus in my own power, I'll tell you this, that it'll probably fail. If you want to come up short, if you want what you're doing to come to naught, then all you got to do is just not pray before you do it. Just, just don't, don't saturate it in prayer. Don't ask God to bless it. Just go do it on your own, and that's a good recipe for disaster. But if you want God to bless the church, if you want God to bless your personal ministry, if you want God to bless what's going on, get down and get to business with Him and say, God, help us. We get too self-dependent sometimes and, and we think we can operate in our own power and we can't. I have to depend on God every single day of my life. I, I, I'll, be, I'll tell you this, that, that, that I've stood in the pulpit a few times and, and tried to do it in my own power and, and didn't ask God to bless it like I should and I, I made a fool out of myself. Anybody, Mark, have you ever done that? Amen, brother. Sometimes, he said. But I've done it. I, I've, I've got in the pulpit and I've done that and God didn't bless it. Ask God to bless you. He wants you to come to Him. Daniel, it said that they found Daniel praying. Daniel was thought of in the kingdom as a praying man. In fact, he was, he was so into prayer, he prayed so much that they hated him for it. But I, I would really like to have the reputation of Daniel that somebody was, knew me as, as somebody, well, if you need prayer, you can just call on Seth. You can just, you can just, you can call on anybody. You can call on Albert. You can call on, on, on Mike back there. I want to be the person that when, when business needs to be done with God, hey, call on me. I would like to have that reputation, wouldn't you? I would like this church to have a reputation as a praying church. Not just as an individual, but, but the church as a whole. 
to say, hey, if you've got a problem, if you've got something that's going on, or like James chapter 5 says in the verse previous to what I read, if you've got issues and, and, and wounds and whatever's going on, if you've got those things, hey, you can go to Cookville Free Will Baptist Church and those people will pray for you. And they'll pray powerfully. They'll pray in the name of Jesus and you can be healed. God said, just call upon me and I'll answer you. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be open. Seek and you'll find. Jesus gives us an open invitation to come to him at any time with our prayers and our supplications. Supplications praying for somebody else. And so many times we miss blessings. So many times we get all bent out of shape and things are not going well simply because we don't just get down on our knees and pray. It's so simple. It's not rocket science. I would like to, to say it, it, maybe it's a little harder than that, but it's not even hard to understand. The simplest people in the world can understand prayer. You can understand prayer. Daniel was found praying. I want to be found praying. I asked this church to get serious about your prayer. I need your prayer every day. I had a guy text me this morning, early this morning, and tell me that he was praying for me, and I appreciate that. You don't know how much that means to me, because this morning, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of tired. I was struggling a little bit. I, had some, I still had some sleep in my eyes when he texted me that, and I thought, well, I appreciate people praying for their pastor. But we don't just need to pray for me. We need to pray for each other. The Bible says the first half of James chapter 5 verse 16 says pray for one another. It also says confess your faults, but I won't get into that. That's a whole other sermon. But pray for each other. Pray that God will bless us because uh, Jesus is coming back soon. The fields are white and ready to reap and we need to be ready to go and reap those fields. We have an opportunity here at this church. Uh, we have one of the best locations of a church in town, don't we? We really do, sitting smack dab, and y'all know where smack dab is, don't you? On the side of I-40, on Willow Avenue, good opportunity. And people could come in here, we could bring them in and see them saved, but it's going to take us doing something. It's going to take us praying powerfully. Praying that, that God would just use us. Not that we would be used of ourselves, not that we would be used of the church, but that we could be used for God's kingdom, for God's glory and not our own. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you gave us the example of Daniel. Lord, that in, in spite of the king's decree and in, in spite of all that was going on, Lord, he, he prayed. God, I just pray that you would impress it upon the hearts of your people to be a praying people. God, I pray that that we could humble ourselves in your sight and get the sin out of our lives, get rid of the unrighteousness, and get serious about this relationship with you. God, I pray that we always have an open line of communication with you. And Lord, that when we come to you, we don't have to introduce ourselves because we've been gone for such a long time. God, I just pray that you would bless each individual here tonight. God, help them to take this seriously. Lord, help them to understand that this is not a game, that souls are at stake. That individuals every day are dying and going to hell. And Lord, it's up to us to try to, to, try to take the gospel to them. 
Lord, I just pray that you would bless us in the continue, continuance of this week. Uh, that you would just bring everybody back. And, and Lord, help us to grow as a church. Lord, most importantly, spiritually. God, I just pray that you would help me. Lord, as I try to pastor this church, God, I just pray that you would just use me as your vessel. God, touch each one that's here. Lord, meet needs tonight. God, if somebody has something on their heart, Lord, I just pray that you would just bless them right now. God, help them as only you can. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.